and, uh, and Diana for, I don't know, 20, 20, almost 30 years. And we've had some good times together over the years, and we appreciate him coming tonight. Appreciate the good word that he brings, amen. And appreciate the good spirit that he brings it with, amen. So let's give a real warm welcome tonight for Pastor Michael Jacobs as he comes. Thank you, Jacob. Thank you so much. What an opportunity. <laughs> Hallelujah. Well, to God be the glory. Hallelujah. You can be seated. Praise God. What a privilege it is to be here with everybody. And uh, I, I'm hopeful that everybody got an outline. You know, we, we, we may not just stay with it exactly, but you'll have all that about spiritual fathers. I'd like you to... Um, you could go ahead and be turning with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 4. We're going to launch out of, out of there, 1 Corinthians chapter 4, in just a second. I uh, want to just uh, make a quick announcement here about my book because, of course, we, we've got two sessions, and uh, there's just a lot of material in here. This is our book. I, I think, I don't know unless we sold out of them out there. I, don't, I didn't check my media table, but... Uh, there's other materials out there. This is called Spiritual Father or Spiritual Failure. This is what we're teaching out of. And really not just teaching out of a book, but teaching out of my life and teaching out of a... I'll explain that in just a minute, how God led me to become a son. And of course now a father too. So I'm kind of doing both now. I got to learn better to be a better spiritual father to my sons, but also be a better son to my spiritual father. And the book is kind of, uh, it's, it's, it's not like my angel book. Everybody wants to know about angels. Not everybody wants to grow up. So, uh, yeah, now, if you don't know me and you haven't heard me, I'm just a straight shooter. So if you get offended in the first two minutes, you might as well go to the restroom because you won't be able to help you. <laughs> I kind of just put it out there pretty straight and no, no, not to be offensive, but that's just my personality. I don't like, you know, him hawing around and everything. And I'm not as sweet as Pastor Charles. And I don't have any jokes or nothing in it tonight, so... But I encourage you to get this. It'll help you to grow up. And if you already qualify, it'll just feed what you already know. And if you're not growing up, then it'll challenge you. It'll help you to learn how to grow up. And in the second session, not at first, but when we get to the second session, I'll give you five things that a real uh, son or daughter will experience if they're properly connected. We've got to lay some foundation first about what does it mean to even have a spiritual father and what is a spiritual father. And then at the end tonight, we'll talk about results because I'm in, I like to see results. I'm not into being saved if I can't get results. I was a drug addict and I got results. Now, that isn't, I'm not, uh, not ashamed of that. That's just I was a good heathen. I was committed to what I was doing and I got results out of that. About killed me, but I got results. I wasn't playing with it. I didn't smoke dope on the weekends. I was shooting dope every day I could. You know, I was committed to it. So I feel the same way about Jesus Christ. I'm committed to him and I want to see results. And I always know if I'm not getting results, it's always on my side because God's he's always right. But I encourage you to get the book if you'd like it. And, uh, you know, it, it, it's got a lot of good material in it to help you grow. And I think there's some DVDs out there unless we sold out that we taught at Dr. Dufresne's mentoring class a few years ago or Bible school or something and different things that we've taught around the country on the subject of spiritual fathers that will feed your faith and help you to understand what we're talking about. Now, maybe it'd be good for just a minute to say this, that, um, you know, when we're talking about spiritual fathers, I, you know, I'd, I'm in the ministry now 33 years, but in 93, I'd been in the ministry about 20. Uh, 
something like that, maybe, maybe not quite 20 years, but you know, I realized I wasn't getting where I needed to be. This is the premise of the book and what I'm going to teach you tonight. And I had a holy frustration. I don't know if you ever have those moments, but I had a holy frustration that wouldn't go away. And uh, I like to tell this story because my church was exploding with growth. My wife here is the only wife I've ever had. And we've been married 35 years tomorrow, so we think we'd just stay with it. And uh, my wife loves me. My children love me. My children are in ministry with me, both of my children and my son-in-law and different things. And so in 93, my life wasn't falling apart. Of course, I'm, I wasn't a drug addict then. I was committed to God, been a pastor for many years, traveled around the world. But I was frustrated because I knew there was some place spiritually I needed to be and I wasn't there. And I wasn't in sin. I mean, I was reading my Bible and praying and do all that preachers do. And normally they do more than the average sheep because that's what we're responsible to do, to be the leader. Amen. And so I was just frustrated and I began to pray and, of course, pray, you know, about everything that you pray about daily, you know, regularly. But I began to add on an hour or two every day praying in other tongues. And not complaining, but just going before God and say, Father, I've got to figure this out. Now, where is it that I need to be that I'm not reaching into? I'd been spirit-filled. I got saved off the streets. I was a drug addict in 71. I got spirit-filled in 78. Now this is 93. I'm in my third church, the one I started that I'm still with, and uh, traveled three years full-time. I wasn't a novice by any stretch of the imagination. Yet at the same time, I was frustrated. Now, I don't know if you can follow me or not, but I think you could all learn if you'll listen. And I said, God, I need to be somewhere, and I don't know where there is. And I, I just need to figure this out. What am I going to do? Did you operate in the gifts? Absolutely, but not like I do today, because I didn't have a spiritual father to help me, to train me. And uh, so anyway, I began to pray for about three months, and the Lord finally said to me, I want you to call Dr. Ed Dufresne, have him come to your church. Well, I knew of him. I shook his hand one time years ago, 80, 83, something like that, at an ICFM meeting, but I didn't know him. He didn't know me. And we had no relationship as such. And, you know, if God had said, go to India and find Botswani Doodah, I'd been on a plane trying to find Botswani Doodah. <laughs> Hallelujah. But, um, but he said to have Dr. Dufresne. And when he came and he was on the platform that first meeting, the Lord said, this is your man of God. Now you submit to him and let him speak into your life. And, and I knew this was my connection. That's what we'll talk about the second session. But I'm just explaining what happened. So that was in 93. And, and, and when he came back in about six months, I said to him at a restaurant one day, I said, you know, God's been dealing with me to submit to you and, and myself and my ministry to you. And I'm asking you, would you do that? And he said, yeah, God's already talked to me about you being a spiritual son. And then he wrote his telephone number down, his cell phone slipped it across the table. And he says, now, now this means you'll come help me if I need you. And I said, yes, sir, I understand covenant. Now, I didn't understand spiritual fathers back then. I had some revelation about cover, covering I was steeped in covenant re revelation, and so I knew what it meant to commit to somebody. Uh, you know, hallelujah. hallelujah. And so I was committing to him. And, you know, God began to put him in my life and began to speak into my life. Not only just what he preached and taught, but what he said to me and the impartations over the years, which have been many, many, many. Hallelujah. And, uh, you know, God began to just put a divine relationship together. And that's what I'm talking about. When you have a spiritual father. Now, if you're in a local church, that, that person is your pastor and his wife. They would be the spiritual, we'll call them parents for that local congregation, spiritual mother and father. And then if you're in ministry, you need somebody more seasoned 
and you need somebody that it, God connects you to. You can't get this just joining an organization. Now, we're not against them. I've been a part of ministerial groups before, but, you know, that's a whole different animal. And sometimes you can be as committed as you can be to a group, and that's commendable, but that still doesn't mean you have a spiritual father. Even people in my own church that call me pastor, I'm no more their pastor than I'm an astronaut. Now, they may come to my church, they may even tithe, they may sit in my services, they may even be involved in ministry of health, but I'm not their spiritual father because they don't listen to me and they're not good students and they don't do what we tell them to do from the Bible. I was over at Pastor, uh, <coughs> Pastor uh, Parker's here about a year ago, something, and I said something while I was preaching on this subject. <coughs> I didn't know I said, I had three or four of my sons there, they all started laughing at me. And I said, what are you guys laughing at? I didn't say anything funny. They said, no, what you just said. And I said, what did I just say? And they repeated it back to me. And this is what I said. You don't have a spiritual father in your life until you have somebody that you won't talk back to. So you can judge yourself right now. You don't have to talk back to them publicly or even in their presence, but inside of yourself, you talk back to the things they say. Then you're not a son or a daughter. Or how about this one? How about when we defend our position when our spiritual father says, I wouldn't do that. Now, I'm going to give you scripts, plenty of scriptures, more than you, we have time for maybe, but <laughs> we, we get this taught into people because, and I didn't know all this back then. I was learning it. See, 93, you know, as I've already explained, but as I began to get hooked up, I began to see what it meant to be a good son. And this is, this is where my book came out of this relationship with Dr. Dufresne. And, and, and Dr. Dufresne, let me tell you, he's not gunning for me. But I've, I, I take correction if it comes from the front. And, you know, he doesn't just call me out and rebuke me in front of people. I don't mean that. And he's not gunning for me. Do you understand the term there? At least you get, you know, apprehensive if somebody's gunning for you. But, you know, if you're going to be a son or a daughter, then you listen to the one over you because he or she has more experience. And sometimes they know things you don't see yet in your own life and your own personality and your own way of thinking. And they can help you get to where you need to be. See, this is the thing. See, I got there and I'm there now. And I'm still moving there. What I mean is, as we progress, my ministry changes a little bit. You know, I used to be strictly a teacher and a pastor. And, and there's nothing wrong with that. I loved it. But, you know, I was frustrated because there was a prophetic anointing. And I traveled for three years, but I just taught. I never really moved into prophet's ministry much or anything else. Hallelujah. Are you listening to me? But anyway, we got to where we needed to be because we got hooked up and we listened. You know, I've, I've been hooked up with doctor 15 years. I've sat on the front row, third row, last row, whatever. It's not about where you sit in the meeting that makes a difference. At least any of you on the back row think that you're not going to get uh, what we're saying. Amen. But it's an attitude of our heart. Glory be to God. And I've sat with people throughout the country and all, all kinds of places. And they all said, man, this is great. I just love Dr. Dufresne. I said, well, I do too. Why don't you hook up? And they said, well, we're hooking up. And then three years later, I'll, I'll ask, doctor, whatever happened to Pastor Doodad? Well, he decided to go with some other companies. See, he, he, really, wasn't, he really wasn't serious about what he said. He just felt good for the moment because he was under doctor's anointing. But it's got to be more than just what you feel about. <laughs> or you wouldn't stay with one woman for 35 years or vice versa. Let's just get real. How about it? Hallelujah. We're going to get real tonight. Now, it's interesting here that one of my friends out in California, he was reading my book and he did some of his own study. And he called me and 
He said, the, the, uh, the verse I'm going to read in a minute, it says you have but one spiritual father. I'd like to hit on that a minute because before we get into this. Now, first of all, spiritual father is somebody that you look to to give help and speak into your life, to mentor you. That's a big buzzword now. But mentor you and love you and, and comfort you and correct you and, and see to it that you're moving forward and speak into your life. Some private, some public, depends, you know, different things. Hallelujah. And we're not trying to take the place of a biological father when we teach on spiritual fathers. We're not certainly not trying to take the place of the heavenly father. But I, I don't know if you realize the heavenly father's not here anymore. <laughs> and neither is Jesus, except through the Holy Ghost. And he sets fivefold ministries in the body so the body can learn where to go and how to do it. Hallelujah. So if you're in a church, then that pastor needs to be your spiritual father. And I tell our people frequently, uh, periodically, if I'm not your spiritual father, then you need to leave and go find where your spiritual father is because after a while, I'm going to frustrate you and you're certainly going to try to frustrate me. I'm not going to let you, but <laughs> hallelujah. Because you got to get in the right spot. See, we'll talk the second session more definitively, but you got to be divinely connected. Not just join an organization or join a church, but you got to hook up. Ain't nothing but a Holy Ghost hookup, right, Pastor Keith? But anyway, this, the verse I was telling about in a minute, we'll look at it. It says, you have but one spiritual father in the Bible in basic English. You know, it's important we understand that. I've, I meet preachers all the time, different ones. I'm not taking the pot shot at anybody, but just listen to me. And they'll, I say, what well, were you hooked up? Well, I'm sort of hooked up with so-and-so and sort of hooked up with so-and-so. That's like me telling my wife, well, I'm going to live with you three days out of the week and I'm going to go live across town with this other woman. I'm going to have a frying pan upside my head. <laughs> my wife's going to say, honey, you confused. Bam. <laughs> You're in need of deliverance, honey, you know, or something. <laughs> How about your kids when they're teenagers? They're 14, 15. Well, I'm going to live here, but on weekends I'm going to Johnny's house to live. No, you're not. Hallelujah. But you know, people think that's okay to be kind of hooked up over here and kind of hooked up over there. And yeah, you can learn from other people. Don't misunderstand what I'm saying. We have a bookstore. You know, we put other books in there other than my own or doctors. But, uh, you know, you only have one spiritual father. Let's get that straight. You just have one. I, I remember one of my sons, you know, he decided to disconnect. I'm not sure he was connected, but this tape liable to get anywhere. But that's all right. It's just the truth. So he called me. I, I told my wife, I said, they're drifting on me, and I, I don't know what the issue is, but I can tell they're pulling away from me, you know, drifting away from me. And that's all right. We're not trying to make anybody stay. <laughs> Hallelujah. Remember, you've got to be divinely connected. But once you get divinely connected, then you need to realize you're going to have opportunity to be offended. I don't care who you are. Me included. But I made my mind up when that day at the uh, lunch table when I said, yes, sir, I understand covenant. I made my mind up right then on, before I ever got into that conversation that if he would receive me. And I said to him, I won't suck my thumb, grab my banky and run off on you if you correct me. And I haven't in 15 years. And I won't do it in the future either because I'm a determined man that I'm focused. Hallelujah. You know, because here's the thing. When you leave your spiritual father, you leave your supply. All of us the pastors in this church, we all had people that are, you know, they do their own thing. They're easily offended and easily provoked and, you know, some of them. 
And they run across town because they got offended at me and then jump in one of my friend's churches. And, and I don't care how long they stay there or how much they repent over it, they're still going to dry up because they left their supply. If God put them under me, you can't go sit under anybody else and get the supply that God had for you. If God told you to stay with the person, then don't leave them. You deal with your own feelings. Now, do I need to do another advertisement for my book? Hallelujah. I'm not mad at anybody. I'm not making a shot. I'm just explaining. Let me get back to my son here, this one. So he called me one day and I told my wife, I said, he'll probably call me in the next week or two. It's three days later he called. He said, you know, Pastor, it bothered me. You introduced me as your son and daughter, me and my wife. I said, well, I didn't mean to bother you. I thought you were. You're, I said, aren't you the one that called me and said, let's have lunch? You and your wife took me to lunch and asked me to be your covering, asked me to be your pastor. Yes, sir. I said, well, then what's the problem? Well, I, I just feel like uh, I'm really not that anymore. I said, oh, okay. So, uh, well, if we can talk without being disagreeable, uh, let me ask you then, who is your spiritual father? Just like you, it got real silent. He said, Brother Copeland. I said, Brother, Brother Kenneth Copeland? He said, yes, sir. And I said, so... Uh, do you have Brother Copeland's cell phone number? No, sir. Does he have your cell phone number? No, sir. Has he ever called you about anything? No, sir. Have you ever called him about anything? No, sir. I said, so what you're saying is you just go to his meetings and listen to his CDs. Yes, sir. I said, well, that's where I don't agree. That's not a spiritual father. Now, he can be a spiritual father, but not yours because you don't have any relationship with him. Come on, somebody. You think these preachers would help me a little more? <laughs> Sitting there like. <laughs> and some of you thought Kenneth Copeland was your spiritual father. <laughs> I'm sure he's a good one if, he, if he's got sons, and I'm sure he does, but I don't imagine you are unless you qualify. There's got to be a relationship, my friend. It's like there's a relationship here. And I have a relationship with my children, my biological and spiritual kids. <laughs> I'm trying to knock out a lot of those things, the questions that are already starting to float to the surface of the brain, you know? What's he going to teach us about? I'm going to teach you out of the Bible. Here we go, 1 Corinthians 4. Let's look at it together, verse 14 and 15. I write not these things to shame you, but as my beloved sons, well... I warn you. See, he's talking to his sons, but Paul, they weren't his biological children, but he considered them, male or female, his sons. Hallelujah. For though you have 10,000 instructors in Christ, or we might say in the anointed one and his anointing, yet have you not many fathers? And like I said, the Bible in basic English says you have but one spiritual father. For in the anointed Jesus, I have begotten you through the gospel. Now, you know, it's interesting here that he brings up this, this, this comment about the anointing. And praise God, we, I like teaching on the anointing. I got teaching that I do on the anointing. And, and I think I'm walking in something right now, preaching to you in this anointing. And this morning we had anointing for healing here and different things. But notice it says, though you have all this instruction about the anointing, you only have one spiritual father. You don't have many. And you know, when you don't have many of anything, the whatever you do have is very precious and valuable to you. Now, I don't know if you studied the book of Corinth, but this was a very carnal church. You know, in the third chapter, they're in division, strife, jealousy, 
backbiting, all kinds of stuff. The fifth chapter, there's immorality in the church, a guy sleeping with his dad's wife. The, you know, the eighth chapter, he talks about them being so intellectual and heady, but he says uh, love, love would edify, but knowledge just makes you proud. Then in the 11th chapter, they're getting drunk at the Lord's Supper. These are not the most spiritual cats and daughters, you know what I mean? <laughs> this is not the book of Philippi here. This is the book of Corinth, the carnal people. And he's trying to help them get back to something. He says in verse 15 again, For in the anointed Jesus, I'm just translating it that way because you could translate Christ, I have begotten you through the gospel. Now at surface reading, you would think, well, he got them saved and he did. But I, I did a little further study on the word begotten and I found out the Greek word there implies this. The one who ministers life to you ongoingly. So Paul was saying, you, you got a lot of instructors and he wasn't picking on them. Well, I don't pick on, we got a lot of instruction from Brother Copeland and Benny Hinn and others on the anointing and different ones. You understand what I'm saying. I'm not taking a shot at them. But it says here, the one who ministers life to you ongoingly, that's your spiritual father. So in the local church, that's going to be Pastor Cowan in this church. Or if you pastor somewhere else or wherever you're at, your pastor is your feeder and the one who's your supply supplying the nutrients and the refreshing and the comfort and the instruction that you need to grow up. Yeah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And so he's trying to help them get back to something because they're, as we already indicated, they're not the most spiritual group of people. Let's look at the next verse here. Wherefore I beseech you, verse 16, be ye followers of me. Paul's telling them this is the key. Get back to following me. Get back to following me. See, this is why I said earlier, some people might call me pastor. And I'm, not, I'm not mad at anybody. But you know, if you follow me, then, then, then you're following me. If you're not following me, you're not following me. You're not a good student. If they say they're sons and daughters or they say they're sheep in the local sheepfold of which I have oversight in and they're not following me, then they're not good sheep. The sheep will run off, goats will run off and other things. You know, they'll run away and go over and get fed some other places. Are you listening to me? You know, I forget, I don't know if it's Mark Barkley or somebody was saying, he, you know, have a guest speaker, they give 10 times to him and he'd be great, try to have an offering to send him on a mission trip and they'd give him a couple hundred bucks and give a guest speaker $3,000. I'm just making up figures. But that ain't right. That's not right. You ought to take care of your pastor, number one. <laughs> He's your feeder. He's your supply. He's continually ministering to you ongoingly, week in, week out, day in, day out, praying for you, bringing instruction, praying over you. And men, oh, hallelujah. So Paul says, here's the key. I beseech you, follow me. Now, a lot of times people are going to say, well, I just don't like following somebody. Well, you know, really, you follow somebody here tonight. Somebody on the freeway was ahead of you or down your second down your second street or wherever you were at. You go through a bank line, some cars in front of you. You go through a line to get food, some cars in front of you. And you're following people all the time. But I know what people say. Well, I don't like that idea. Let's turn to 1 Corinthians 11 and verse 1. Let's pick up some other verses here and get more taught into us here. Is there any criteria for how you follow? Well, certainly. We're not just following people blindly or following people without common sense. But notice it says here, 1 Corinthians 11 and 1, Paul referring, same group of people, be ye followers of me even as I also am of Christ. 
So here's the thing. As long as that pastor, that leader, that spiritual father is following the Lord Jesus Christ, then you're obligated to follow behind him. Isn't that true? Now, a lot of people say, well, but, uh, well, I just don't see it that way yet. Well, you know, I was in California a couple years ago, and we had a caravan of cars. We were down with Dr. Dufresne in his meeting. Pastor was with me, Pastor Diana, some of my people, and one of my sons that pastors in Texas. We were all in California, and now we were going up to, past, to minister at the Pastor Simon's church. That's five hours north, roughly, of where Dr. Dufresne lives. And so we were going through a little mountainous area there, and we were all in a caravan. There was three or four carloads of us. We all had our cell phones. And the lead car came up over the crest of that mountain, and the sun was setting. And it was just, uh, just a gorgeous sunset out there. And the first car called back and said, can, wait, can you see that to the left, to the left? Can you see? We couldn't see anything. We were still down in the valley coming up the mountain. But, you know, in just a few minutes there, we hit the crest of that, and we went, oh. We could see it. Was the person in the first car wrong for telling us what they saw? No, they just were the only one could see it because they were in the lead car. And sometimes some of the things we say at first may sound a little awkward to some people that haven't seen that before or haven't see, seen what we're seeing yet. But you just stay with your spiritual parents because if they're following Christ, you're behind them. You're going to get to that same vantage point and you're going to see exactly what they said and it's all going to make sense. Hallelujah. Here's something else to look at. Let's look at the same chapter, verse 34. We're skipping a lot of in-between things, but we're setting some things in order for you to see here. Verse 34, same chapter. If any man hunger, let him eat at home when you, that you come not together unto condemnation. And, and the way they were handling some things was inappropriate. That's why it says condemnation. And the rest will I set in order when I come. Here's something else. You don't get everything set in order the first day you meet your spiritual father. You're not all that in a bag of chips just because you attend a church for a month. <laughs> Hello. Even if you come all the services, baby. You just hang on. You've got a lot to learn. So do I. I've only been at this 33 years. I've got a lot to learn yet. But what I'm saying is over a period of time, I'm in this for the long haul. How about you? I'm in it for the long haul, and that's longevity. And God said he'd satisfy us with long life if we qualify. And one of the things is to realize, like Paul said, I've already set some things in order, but the rest I'll take care of in the future here. So there are different things that happen over a period of time that get set in order. You know, you couldn't take it. I probably couldn't take it all, all in one dose, but we get it little by little. I tell our people when we, we teach on any subject, and when they first hear us, some of it may be strange to their hearing. They've never heard it like this before. That doesn't make me wrong doctrinally or theologically. If you want me to use a big word, I can use a $4 word. I can even spell theological. But after a while, if you let me teach you something and put something in you, I'm talking about congregational people and also my sons. Over a period of time, if there will be good students, then they can catch on to what we're saying. I remember, I remember hearing this from about Dr. Summerall. A friend of mine was taking him to church one day to preach. You know, Dr. Summerall was in his 80s then. And said, uh, and the pastor was driving the car and he said, Dr. Summerall, anything I can do to help you tonight with uh, what you're going to say? He said, yeah, just remember this. The longer you sing, the shorter I preach. <laughs> 
And you know, a lot of churches never get that. They bring guest speaker in, then sing for an hour, and then they wonder why everybody's tired. And the preacher that was going to preach about half wore out too, because the music didn't have any anointing on it. And they sang 37 songs. Now, I'm not picking on anybody. Just listen. I travel all over the world. Latin America is ruthless for that. Now, I'm finally getting to an age and a place where I'm saying, you know, I'm not coming back with this kind of behavior. I've been in my room since two this afternoon. I've been ready. I'm on pause, man. All you got to do is sing a chorus and get me up. We don't need a preacher rodeo, you know, like four other preachers to get up and tell their 30 minute spiel. They did that to me. I won't mention the country. And I haven't been back since. I said, I, you got in the congregations all yawning. See, see, they're not good students. See, and it wasn't that I was being mean trying to run that church or anything. I just said to the pastor, you know, you don't need to have an hour and a half of praise and worship to get me up. I, one or two songs would be sufficient. They don't listen. A lot of churches think they're going to impress the guest speaker with their soloist or their or they're this or they're that. And I'm not picking on any church in particular. I'm picking on all of them. <laughs> Hallelujah. Do whatever one. If you're in charge in your church, be in charge. But just talking to you here. See, people are poor students sometimes. Right. See, now that's a touchy issue, especially if you're a musician. Maybe you feel like I just stepped on your toes. Well, keep them under the pew. I won't step on them. <laughs> Here's the funny thing. You bring a guest in to hear what he's got to say or she's got to say, and then you take up all the time trying to impress him with what you, that you think you got. You're not ready for me yet, I don't think. You're going to have to egg me on a little more if you want the rest of this. I don't know if I like you, Pastor Jacob. That's all right. I like me. Hallelujah. You don't have to like me. Just if you're going to have long praise and worship, you know, don't invite me. Hallelujah. I got plenty of places to go. No, we love praise and worship, but you know, why is it they have to sing seven songs to get the anointed one? Why can't they get it the first one? Or the second one? Or the third one? Hallelujah. You're picking on praise and worship people? No, I'm just talking. See, now Dr. Summerall started that. So if you want to be frustrated, just be frustrated with him. Here's a man 80-some years old that's got all that experience, and this is a younger pastor in his 40s or whatever. See, it don't even make sense if you analyze it, if you're willing to analyze it. Of course, most people are not willing to analyze anything. They just think what their agenda is, is perfect. Well, I don't like you anymore, Pastor Jacobs. Well, I wish you would. I'm trying to help you. And I'm not picking on praise and worship people. I did the very same thing for years. Hallelujah. But I got a clue eventually when doctor says, I don't need a whole lot of something. Just get me up. Now, he didn't say that the first time we met, but after he knew me a little bit and knew I'd listen to him, he told me. And so we just got him up quick. Been a lot better ever since. Hallelujah. Well, pray, moving right along. I don't know if they're still with me, Pastor Charles, but... All right. Where are we at here? Okay, let's look here. Let, 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Here's another issue that comes about. People will say, well, now, I don't think that I ought to give somebody that kind of dominion in my life. 
Sounds to me like, you know, they might have more than I should give them about authority. Well, Paul had that problem, too, with some of his students. And he said in 2 Corinthians 1, 24, not for that we have dominion over your faith, but are helpers of your joy, for by faith you stand. Did you hear me? Not that we have dominion over your faith, but are helpers of your joy, for by faith you stand. Know what we're saying, what he's saying. We don't have dominion over anybody, but we learn to, Hebrews says, submit yourselves to those over you in the Lord. Hallelujah. And obey them. It's on our side to submit ourselves. Not that we have dominion over your faith, but are helpers. Here, here's the spiritual father saying, I'm wanting to help you to learn to stand by faith and maintain your joy. And don't, don't, don't reject me because of the fact that I have some authority, but realize I'm not dominating you. Nobody's dominating anybody unless you let somebody dominate you. Dr. Dufresne's never dominated me. He's a very sweet, kind, loving person. He's bold. He gets to the point. And of course, I love it. I love that kind of just straightforwardness about people. You know, I like that. And, it's, and he's not mean, but if I ask him something, he'll tell me the truth. But he's not dominating me. You know, I'm still the pastor of my church, not Dr. Dufresne. <laughs> Hallelujah. But at the same time, I'm a good student of what my spiritual father's teaching me. And when I apply those things, guess what? Things go better. Of course, my heavenly father can speak to me. Of course, the Holy Ghost can speak to me. He's in here. He's going to help me. But see, again, now, if all that is true, and it is, but why couldn't I get to where I needed to go? Because I didn't have a spiritual father. You know, Elisha got where he needed to be because he had Elijah. And Timothy and other Sylvanus got where they needed to go because they had a Paul. Hallelujah. And I've heard people say, well, I just don't want to submit to any man. Well, you know, let me, let me, let me throw out a little theological thought here. You know, Timothy tells us, I think it's first Timothy two and five. I'm not going to turn over there. We have one mediator between God and men, the man, the man, Christ Jesus. So I guess you're not saved. You don't want to submit to a man. Jesus is a man. I don't know if you realize that the right hand of the father is seated. Jesus Christ, the man. <laughs> he's our Lord and Savior, but he's a man. And we're submitted to him first, but then we also need somebody here that is flesh and blood and led by the Spirit that can speak into our life, encourage, help, instruct, and bring us forward in, in the things of God that God has for us. Amen. amen. I said amen. amen. You're still with me, aren't you? All right, just checking. I just want to be sure here. Now, let's look over here and uh, let's see. Let's go to Philippians a minute. I think it's in somewhere on your uh, outline here. I'm looking at my personal notes here of which the outline was made off of. But Philippians 4 and 9, I think it's somewhere in one of your pages there. But Philippians 4 and 9, and let's look at what Paul said happens when we learn to follow somebody that's leading, that's ahead of us, so to speak. Praise the Lord. You know, I just use the music people to just ride that a minute. Don't get offended at me. Hallelujah. Huh? 
Yeah, my daughter's a praise and worship leader. So we love praise and worship. We respect praise and worship people. We respect pastors. Pastors can do whatever they please in their own church. But I just think that all of us, and not just praise and worship, but just other things, we need to learn to be more in order. Divine order always produces results. Whatever we're talking about. Hallelujah. You know, Brother Hagin, you say, you ask people, what are you praying about? I don't know. Well, how in the world would you know if you get it? If you don't even know what you're praying about. See, we got to be focused people. See, this message is for people that want to be focused and move ahead and get more fruit out of their life and increase out of their life and be more productive in their life and be more fruitful in their life. And I think everybody that's thinking right wants that. Just keep doing the same thing over and over again. If it's not working now, if it's working, that's wonderful. Keep working it. But we need these spiritual fathers and those uh, over us and that can speak. And sometimes when we first hear something, it may be a little foreign to our understanding. What do you mean by that? Well, this is what we're saying. Have you ever thought about that? Well, no, not really. Well, maybe you need to think about that and plug that in a little bit and see how that functions and how that flows. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. But let's look at Paul's recipe here. If we might call it Philippians 4, 9, those things which you have both learned. So it's all these things you've learned and received and heard and seen in me do. And the God of peace shall be with you. Now, I like that God of peace being with me. I know he's in me, but I want him with me, too. But it says, in other words, if we'll learn from those like Paul was telling them at Philippi, learn what I'm teaching you, receive it hear it and see it, how I'm doing it. And if you'll do that, the God of peace shall be with you. In other words, we get results just like the others that are teaching us if we follow their example. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I know Pastor Charles, you know, he, 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 the wonderful man of God, one of the primary, primary examples, in my opinion, of a wonderful shepherd. Hallelujah. Now, I can shepherd the people, too. I, I can do that some. But, you know, I, I, you know he's just got that, he's got that ability to love everybody and make everybody feel special. I don't know that I have that. Sometimes I might, but I come in and out of it. <laughs> just got to know what you're called to do. I told one lady, she said, I don't know if I like your church. I said, well, we're not sure we like you either. What do you want to tell me? (laughs) Right back at you, sister. (laughs) So what's your problem? Well, you guys, you know, you don't pet on me like they do over at this other church. I said, well, you better go home and figure out if you're called to be under me. I guarantee you this lady, if you're really called under me and you listen to me, you'll grow up out of that nonsense attitude you got on you. I'm not going to just stand at the door and shake your hand, congratulate you that you showed up every Sunday. If that's what you want, don't come here. I might be out there sometime and shake your hand, be glad to do it, but I'm not going to guarantee it. And I'm not going to pet on you, but I'm going to preach you the Bible. And if you'll listen to me, you'll grow up out of that little 
kindergarten attitude, but I said, you got to figure out whether you belong under me or somebody else. Well, I said, go home and figure it out. She did. She stayed with me, been with me 10 years, went through my Bible school. Wonderful example. Came Friday night. My church presented a 35 year anniversary party for me and her. She showed up all dressed up like she was asked to. You know, they ask people to dress up. It's just a wonderful example of a, of a, you know, young lady. Hallelujah. I wasn't being mean to her, but you know, here she's thinking I got to be petted on all the time to feel important. I said, well, you ought to be able to feel important because you're saved. Amen. Jesus thought enough of you to die for you. <laughs> I'm not going to die for you, but he did. <laughs> Pay attention. <laughs> I sure wasn't going to drop down on her natural level. Hallelujah. But now, Pastor Charles, what I was going to say is a great example of as a shepherd. And here's what I was going to say. He walks. I can tell being around him and Miss Sue all these years. He walks in divine order. He had a spiritual father. Brother Kenneth E. Hagin stayed with him until the man went home to be with the Lord. Thirty some years, just like my spiritual father stayed with Brother Hagin. Thirty two years. And Dr. Somerall was put into Dr. Dufresne's life for 15 years, stayed with him till he went home. See, men like that are valuable. They didn't jump around to four different companies, 17 different groups. Stayed hooked up. But when you get around him, you can tell he's disciplined. He's, look at his hair, man, for goodness sake. I'll get over it. I'll get over it. I like your hair. I think you do nice. You got it all just right, like I do. <laughs> I mean, if you can't have fun in church, we might as well just forget it, right? No, I appreciate Pastor Cow and his, he's an orderly person. He's got things lined out and you know, you can sense the peace on him and I've known him over 30 years. Pastor and I respect that about him. We appreciate that about him. We value that about him. We've taken his counsel many times over those 30 years. Hallelujah. And he's always been a help to us when we listened. Always been a help to us when we listened. Yeah, when we listened, maybe sometimes maybe we didn't listen as good, not just to him, but just as in general, we didn't listen as good as we should have in some settings, maybe. But we're learning to be good sons and daughters and we're hooked up with doctor. But I'm just talking about Pastor Callum because he's a very orderly person. Hallelujah. And I'm sure these other pastors are, too. Glory to God. Very disciplined and things like that. We need that. Thank you, Father. You getting anything out of this yet? Praise the Lord. What, what happens is when we get under our, the right spiritual father, we get in the right room, spiritually speaking, that we need to be in to observe things. And see, I'll close with this. But we know in the book, I think it's in Kings, maybe 1 Kings 19, you know, the prophet Elijah, God dealt with him, said, I want you to go anoint so-and-so as king over Syria and so-and-so king over Israel and anoint Elisha to be a prophet in your room. In other words, get a protege and, 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 and let him get in your room with you to see how things are done. I'm going to tell this little story. We'll take a break. Is that all right? So not only are we listening to what they preach to us and teach to us, whether it's public or private or whatever, but we're listening and we're paying attention to things that are done in that spiritual room. Now, as I said before, you know, I got, I got saved in 71, spirit filled in 78. And I went to a theological seminary 
And in spite of being there, they taught against it. I got spirit filled, spoken tongues anyway and began to operate to some level in the gifts of the spirit. But see, I, I back in those days, 93. Now I'm talking to stuff. I dreaded my people in teaching and there's nothing wrong with teaching, but I wasn't letting the Holy Ghost move much or yield to him much. Are you listening? And, and if there's nothing to yield to, then that's fine. Just be the teacher you're called to be and just do that. But if you have other things in you that I did and they were kind of suppressed because I would not let that come forth immediately and I'd push it to the side thinking what I'm teaching is more important. I know none of you guys would ever admit it, but I did that. Instead of letting the Holy Ghost go, Jojo, as my son said to me one day when he was sitting in the car seat in the back seat. He's four years old. We're going to church. He said, hey, dad. I said, what? He said, let the Holy Ghost go, Jojo. <laughs> so I got to church. We was going to have a service and all of a sudden came out of me. I'm going to let the Holy Ghost go, Jojo. <laughs> That's a great service, too. But anyway, see, I got in Dr. Dufresne's room and I remember one time he was going to speak up in Indianapolis. That's about two hours north of me. And so I, Pastor Keith right here is one of my sons. He came out of my church and started a church down here. But he, I called him late in the day and I should have made a, a sooner decision, but I didn't. And I don't know, it's probably four o'clock. I said, hey, you, can you go with me tonight? I don't want to drive to Indianapolis. I want you to go with me, go see doctor. I should have made the decision earlier in the day, but I postponed it. And I was learning then how to be more obedient, see, and get, and he didn't, doctor didn't call me and say, you need to be in this meeting. I just knew he was up there two hours away. I should have made preparation sooner. But anyway, Pastor Keith said, I can be ready in 10 minutes. I said, I'll be by in 10. Let's go. So we came in and the service, they'd already had praise and worship. Doctor was up ministering. We came in the back door and the usher there, he was a nice guy, but kind of Gestapo that night. Sit down like that. <laughs> So we sat on the back row. Of course, he probably just trying to keep order. I'm not belittling him, but you know, and so I sat down, but the minute I sat down, the Lord said, now watch Dr. Dufresne and here's where you've been missing it. Now watch how he operates in the spirit. Well, he started ministering by word of knowledge, but he, I noticed he was not as fast as I was. And I'm saying that to my detriment. He'd be more meticulous and slower to respond. What I mean is he'd take his time. You could tell he was letting God deal with him. Then he'd get something else and he'd minister to somebody and then he'd hold up a minute and he wasn't worried about whether he was taking a little time to do that, see? And the Lord said, now see, now when you get something, you get all excited and you're missing two or three other things I'm trying to get over to you when the Holy Ghost is moving on you because you get excited and you're moving too quick. Now, how did I know that? Because the Spirit dealt with me when I got in my spiritual father's room and I'm not trying to be Dr. Dufresne. Many times when we go to other churches, like I was with Pastor Webb last May, and they said, man, you can tell your doctor's son. I said, can you? I took that as a compliment. And he said, yeah, the way you move in the spirit and the way you preach. And when you get to ministering to people, you act just like him. I said, well, I'm, I'm proud of it. I didn't try to imitate him just to imitation's sake. But, but I've got impartations and I don't realize I do some of the things that he does. Other people have told me that too. Hallelujah. But what happens? See, what I'm saying is you get in your spiritual father's, even the sheep can learn from their pastor the way he conducts his life publicly and watch him. Pay attention to how he does things and follow his example. Follow his example and you'll start seeing things work out for you better. This is my point. 
Now, if you're not called to operate in some things like I just described, then you can't have anointing to do that. But still, I was see God put me in the right under the right man. Hallelujah. Because I had things in me. And of course, the Lord later would tell me that he said, there's some similarities in your calling with doctor. And that's why I put you under him. So you had learned something and get developed and get more skilled. And you weren't very skilled. You were kind of sloppy when it came to the things of the spirit. But like this morning, see, we were yielding to the spirit at the end of that message. See, if you were here and you know, we had anointing for bones and then, the, then that word came about hearts. And I mean, anointing went woo, swung through here and hit me and hit. If you were here, you probably discerned that and sensed that. Hallelujah. Are you getting anything? Let's, let's take, it's about two or three after six. Let's take till 15 after, take a restroom break and uh, get you a drink of water. Would that be all right, pastor? Do you need to say anything? Come, yeah, come back at 15 after. I'm, we'll be back right 15 after to 